Hi, I'm your host, Donnie Castle, back with another episode of The Daily Donnie. Today's episode is about self-doubt. We've all been there, and if you're stuck in self-doubt right now, this episode is for you. In this podcast, you'll find out why self-doubt is holding you back from happiness and success and what you can do to overcome it. Okay, so self-doubt. We've all been there. I'm dealing with a hell of a lot of self-doubt right now myself. At some points, we all question whether we're doing well enough or are capable of facing all the uncertainties that might come up as we grow older. We experience feelings of self-doubt around decisions and choices we made or simply feel that we're not good enough. Self-doubt occurs when we lack confidence or feel incapable of doing the things that we need to do. People who doubt themselves experience uncertainty around things they can't control or worry about things not going according to plan. Most of us have experienced self-doubt at some point in our lives. It's what we do with it, how we cope with it, that makes the difference between struggling chronically with self-doubt and letting it go fairly quickly. If we experience regular self-doubt, we may ask, why does everyone else seem to be doing so well when I'm struggling so much? So let's dive into the difference now between healthy and unhealthy self-doubt. Healthy self-doubt. Some level of self-doubt in certain situations can actually be healthy. Self-doubt exists, after all, to help us recognize that we are not always right. A certain level of self-doubt is good because it indicates that you understand what you need to improve in order to do a better job. With self-doubt, we question and challenge ourselves as we reflect inward. With some self-doubt, we can have more humility and can relate better to others. So in that way, healthy self-doubt. However, we also have unhealthy self-doubt. In a society that values the extraordinary, it's way more common for self-doubt to become a chronic state. When it does, we often begin to stand in our own way and have a hard time seeing that there are also good things about ourselves. This is unhealthy self-doubt. When we can't see our own good qualities, it's so difficult to maintain motivation. We may believe that we'll never actually achieve our goals, that we don't have talent, that we are not worthy of our position or our partner. Small failures begin to be proof of our unworthiness. Unhealthy self-doubt can be compared to a greedy parasite, and it consumes more and more of you and feeds on your self-esteem, self-worth, and self-efficacy. So let's dive into some of the psychological mechanisms that self-doubters use to uphold and perpetuate their unhealthy attitude towards themselves. I'm guilty of probably everything on this list, and you probably are too. So let's go through them so we can kind of call ourselves out in a constructive way and learn what things we are holding onto that are keeping us trapped in self-doubt. So the first one is the I can't, which is the self-fulfilling prophecy. I can't. Self-fulfilling prophecy. Mind-blowing, right? (laughs) So let's start with this. The way we speak to ourselves repeatedly over time eventually forms grooves in our neural pathways. If we tell ourselves some form of I'm a loser, I'm incapable of doing this, I'm no good, eventually those thoughts become ingrained in our psyche and become our truth. Two simple words lay at the core of this way of thinking. I can't. 
When we're convinced we can't, we make less of an effort. Even if we think we're still making a grand effort, we do make less of an effort when we say that we can't. Why bother, after all, right? With less effort, we increase our chances that we won't succeed, reinforcing our own negative beliefs and creating a vicious cycle. This vicious cycle starts with the I can't and becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. The second one is I didn't. This one is self-sabotaging, okay? So for example, you're worried you won't pass a test. So you may be tempted not to study at all. This way, once you've failed, you can blame it on not studying. It's an inventive way to shift the blame away from ourselves and onto something outside of ourselves. So it wasn't you or your capabilities that failed. It was the situation. Had you studied, you would have passed, but you didn't study and that's why you didn't pass. Self-sabotaging emerges from a fear of failure. It loves procrastination. Keeping this up too long, however, will eventually lead to what you were trying to avoid all along. You'll begin to believe that you're incapable of success because you've forgotten how well you do when you try. The next one is the I shouldn't, which is the imposter syndrome. The imposter syndrome is strongly connected to self-doubt. It describes the unreasonable feeling of being a fraud in disguise with achievements gotten through luck rather than personal ability or effort. You feel that it's only a matter of time until people around you discover this and reveal your true self. The imposter syndrome often accompanies depression and anxiety and can also be used as a predictor for these emotional challenges. Essentially, by assigning your achievements to factors outside of yourself, you're preventing yourself from seeing that you're just as worthy as everyone else. This is something I struggle with greatly, is just a strong feeling of imposter syndrome. I always feel like I've lucked into something, that I'm really not that capable, that I'm a fraud. So, you know, we all have some element of this and it's it's so cool to be able to look at all of that and to point it out and to work on it. So now the final one, the I'm terrible. It's a lack of self-kindness. Okay, this one, another one that I really struggle with. So. I will be taking notes on this myself. <laughs> so by denying your own self of achievement, you're also contributing to a larger issue related to a lack of self-kindness. When we are usually quite supportive and nurturing of friends in need, we tend to be much harsher with ourselves. Studies show that this lack of self-kindness can predict self-doubt. Individuals who are kinder to themselves tend to accept rather than deny their deficiencies and are better able to encourage themselves to then do better. Because those with high self-doubt have a greater need for approval from others, they worry more about failures and negative evaluations and are harsher in their self-judgment. This leads to a tendency towards isolation. And this stuff, it, it leads to deep psychological issues. Self-doubt is hugely damaging. And numerous studies have found a connection between steady self-doubt and psychological problems such as mood swings, lower self-esteem, anxiety, and depression. And in fact, many of the symptoms used to diagnose depression correspond directly with patterns of self-doubt. When self-doubt causes a loss in motivation or concentration or feelings of, in of indecisiveness, guilt, shame, or worthlessness, it allows a huge opening for depression to just set right in. Alright, so now on to the optimistic stuff. How are you going to break that cycle of self-doubt? Okay, the dog just yawned. I don't know if that was caught on the recording, but if it was, it was great. <laughs> okay, so how do you break the cycle of self-doubt? You know, one thing you can do is just giving yourself credit where credit is due. 
You know, the accomplishments that you work for are real, no matter how small. Recognize the difference between, you know, arrogant bragging and also a realistic acknowledgement of how hard you're working towards something. It's good to be proud of your hard work, big, small, in between. Be proud of yourself, whatever you do. And another thing is that self-doubt fades when we connect with other people. Sometimes we forget how critical we can be towards ourselves. So, you know, friends, family, loved ones can be a very effective personality mirror. They can reflect things back to you that you may have difficulty seeing for yourself. If you don't know how to start this conversation, you can simply ask someone, what do you like about me? Isolating yourself can make the downward spiral worse, giving your harmful inner voice more fuel for destruction. Even if you don't feel like it, try to spend time with others, reach out to others, have a phone call with somebody you love. You know, you'll likely find you're not as alone as you thought you were. And self-doubt also fades when we connect with ourself. Some people find it helpful to, you know, keep a journal because putting thoughts to paper can encourage new realizations. Tracking your moods can also have a similar effect. There's great opportunity for growth by observing your own patterns and recording that. And let's go into some, some other ways that we can fade our self-doubt within ourselves. To start, say stop. You know, whenever your inner doubts bubble up, be quick. Don't let them spin out of control or grow from a whisper to a stream of discouraging sentences. Instead, talk back to that doubtful part of yourself. In your mind, say or shout something like, no, we are not going down that road again. By doing so, you can disrupt the thought pattern and stop the inner self-doubter from taking over. Another thing you can do is, you know, look into your past and look at your memories. Be real with yourself and ask yourself, how many times when I doubted myself or feared something would happen, did that negative thing come into reality after I still took action? The answer for me is, and probably for you, is not very often at all. Self-doubt is more often than not just monsters in your head that your mind uses to keep you from making changes and to keep you within a comfort zone. If you look to your past and see how well things have gone many times despite those self-doubts, then it can become a little easier to let go of them or ignore them and focus on more likely positive outcomes and taking action. Another thing you can do is really just talk to someone about your self-doubt. When you keep those thoughts on the inside, they can become more distorted, more exaggerated, and not very much in line with reality or with reasonable expectations. This is very much true when it comes to self-doubting thoughts. So you gotta let them out into the light. Talk to someone close to you about your self-doubts and be open to hearing what they have to say and taking that on. Be open to hearing their criticisms. Just letting out those self-doubts too and saying them out loud can often help you hear how exaggerated those thoughts can become. And you know, by talking about those doubts with somebody that is supportive of you, you can get a change in perspective. Another thing is don't get stuck in the comparison trap. If you compare yourself to other people too often or to their successes and especially to their highlight reels that they share on social media, then self-doubt can, sw can very swiftly creep up on you. And this is something that I struggle with a lot. I will see, you know, those rosy little highlight reels and I look at my own life and, you know, feel that self-doubt creeping, like, can I have that? Can I travel? Can I do this? Can I do that? When, you know, and it just, it doesn't help. It doesn't actually help. And you don't see what they're going through behind the scenes. Like maybe the depression or the struggles that they've had to overcome to get to that point. So a better way to go about things is to compare yourself to yourself, to see how far you've come, to see what you've overcome and to see how you've kept going, succeeded and grown as a human being over time. Just use your own experiences as your own fuel. Try to be better than you were yesterday or think back to a time where you're better than you were today and use that as motivation. And 
And I did mention briefly earlier keeping a journal. So I'm going to go into a few reasons why that's actually a great way to help banish self-doubt. Um, it can be a helpful habit for many reasons. When it comes to self-doubt, it can help you to, one, keep a realistic record of your life. And it helps you to remember the positive things, the successes that you've had, how you've overcome obstacles, if you're prone to remembering things with a negative slant. So having something positive to look back at will help you when your mind is kind of stuck in that negativity. And two, journaling helps you gain clarity more easily. Why is that word tripping me up? Clarity. <laughs> so it's often easier to alleviate fears and doubts and to gain clarity if you have an issue laid out on paper or in a computer document rather than if you try to go through it all in your mind. Sometimes just writing it out and then like looking back, reading it to yourself allows you to kind of see where you're going wrong, what's tripping you up, what's exaggerated, what's maybe not true that you've been holding on to in your mind. It allows you to analyze and to to look into things. And you know, it you can also like, you know, make list of pros and cons. Go through your thoughts and emotions and, you know, similar events from the past, write down different perspectives on the issue. So it becomes easier for you to find solutions and to see your challenges in a clearer and more level-headed way. Another thing that we have to do when facing self-doubt is to see our setbacks as temporary. When you have a setback, you know, you might start to see things through a negative and dark lens. You might see this current setback as something that will simply be your new normal. And this way of looking at things can trap you into thinking there is no point in continuing to take action. So instead, remember that you're not a failure just because you failed. Setbacks happen, happen to everyone who take chances. It's simply a part of living life fully. Sometimes things go well, sometimes they don't, sometimes they don't go well for a long time. But don't make failure into this huge thing or into your whole identity. Ask yourself, what's something I can learn from this setback? Use the mistake or failure to your advantage and to move forward once again in a smarter way. And another way that we can banish some of our self-doubt is by sharpening our skills. So if you, for instance, often get self-doubt before, you know, a presentation in school, then sharpen your presentation skills. For me, I struggle with self-doubt regarding my art and my skills as an artist. So I often try my best to work on my skills and to better those skills so that next time I do something, I can feel more confident that I know what I'm doing. You know, reading a few books about whatever it is that you feel like your skills are lacking in or, you know, practicing at home or just whatever you can do to build on the skills that you have and to sharpen them, it allows you to feel more competent, more confident, and also more relaxed in any situations where you'll need to use those skills. Another thing is don't beat yourself up. A common way to handle self-doubt is to get angry at yourself and your lack of motion. And you try to beat yourself up as a way to get yourself to move forward. But that doesn't, in my experience, help much, if at all. I found that being kind and constructive when I feel self-doubt is a better choice. So use kind and understanding words towards yourself and also ask yourself, what is one very small step I can take to move forward in this situation? Then you take that very small step and you can start step by step to move towards where you want to go instead. Another thing is to celebrate all those small wins. When you've taken one small steps forward, for example, or you know, you've done anything at all, feel proud. You have a win. No matter how tiny it is, it's still a win. Celebrate it. You know, have a tasty snack or your favorite food for dinner. Spend time doing your favorite hobby or buy yourself something that you've wanted for some time now. It renews and recharges your motivation and makes taking action feel more exciting and more fun. 
and that will push some of those self-doubts aside so you can keep moving and you get more small wins and then, you know, big wins. And then always remember, you can course correct along the way. Trying to plan every move you make will make a journey towards a goal or dream become draining and it can lead to so much self-doubt. And it usually doesn't work that well anyway because the best laid plans often start to fall apart a bit or need some change when they're confronted with reality. So do a bit of rough planning and a bit of rough planning and then just go and start your journey. And remember, you can always course correct along the way towards what you want. And empowered by this knowledge, experience and feedback you'll get as you keep going towards your path. So now I just really wanted to share an article that I read on self-doubt that I really liked. It gave me a lot to think about and it really spoke to me. So here goes. It's called How to Beat Self-Doubt and Stop Selling Yourself Short by Dr. Margie Worrell. Great last name. Van Gogh is reported to have said this. If you hear a voice within you say, you cannot paint, then by all means paint and that voice will be silenced. You know, I need to just like put this on a giant sign and hang it over where I paint. That that quote's a good one. Thank goodness he did. Chances are you sometimes get into psychic wrestling match with a little voice in your head that chips away at your confidence and dials up your doubts. What if you mess up? You'll make a fool of yourself. What will people say? You're just not smart enough, talented enough, capable enough, experienced enough. Self-doubt is part and parcel of the human experience, as it should be. We don't have to look too far to see that too little self-doubt can be downright dangerous. Yet left unchecked, the fear that fuels our doubt can drive us to be overcautious and keep us from taking the very actions that would help us and serve others. I see far too many capable and talented people, particularly women, selling themselves short because they fear they don't have what it takes to succeed. Doubt sits triumphant. Actions go undone. We don't pick up the phone and make the call. We don't extend the invitation. We don't raise our hand for promotion. We don't say enough. We don't push back, say no, say yes, move on, dive in, or pick up the pen. Speaking of which, I remember being consumed by doubt when the idea of writing a book first took hold of my imagination. Who am I to write a book, I thought to myself. I'd never studied writing, and I finished my education in rural Australia without ever learning where to place all the apostrophes. As much as the idea of putting my ideas into prose inspired me, I felt wholly inadequate for the task. And not to mention, I had four kids under seven at the time. It was only when my husband Andrew said, why don't you give yourself permission to write an imperfect book, that I decided to take the plunge. Was it the worst, greatest piece of lit literary penmanship the world had ever seen? Of course not. But now it's out in the world, in six languages, and it would never would have been had doubt called the shots. It is my speculation that self-doubt has been a large and understandable factor behind why so many of the women and men who have come forward in recent months to call out perpetrators of sexual harassment and assault, from Harvey Weinstein to Matt Lauer, didn't do so earlier. They doubted that their voice would even be heard. They doubted that it would be taken seriously. Some probably even doubted whether they were part to blame. Self-doubt has much to answer for. Yet, while none of us are immune to self-doubt, with the exception of some serial narcissists that come to mind, cough, cough, Donald Trump, <laughs> we all have the ability to keep it from directing our decisions, continuing our silence, and shaping our lives. So how do we banish the doubt? We don't. What we do is learn how to reclaim the power it has held over us. And here are six ways you can do just that. One, embrace doubt as part of being human. As you think about the things you'd most love to achieve or change in your life right now, just know that self-doubt is there to protect you from the humiliation of falling flat on your face. So follow the advice of Dr. Kristen Neff, self-compassion expert, and don't beat yourself up for beating yourself up. 
far better than beating up your, on your inner critic is to befriend it, to acknowledge that it's just trying to keep you safe and spare you humiliation. Embracing self-doubt as an intrinsic part of the human experience is crucial to reclaiming the power that it has held over you until now. You are human. You will make mistakes. You will doubt yourself. It's what you do next that matters. Which brings me to the second step. Number two, doubt your doubts. Self-doubts are just your fears made manifest in order to protect you from loss. Yet the irony is that, to paraphrase Shakespeare, doubt often makes you lose out on what you may have gained by fearing the attempt. Your doubts are not the truth. Rather, they are fear-fueled stories you create about who you are, what you're worth, and what you're capable of achieving. So let me repeat one more time to make sure you got it. Your doubts are not the truth. In fact, more often than not, they're just the opposite. So next time you start to doubt yourself, take a moment to challenge that thought, to doubt your doubts. Ask yourself, what if just the opposite were true? What if, in fact, you were more than prepared for a bigger role? If you had everything it takes to build that business, if what you had to say was extremely important, if you are more than talented, worthy, clever, fill in the blank enough to pursue this goal, if you're going to doubt anything about yourself to achieve what you want to change or what, or to achieve what you want or change what you don't, then doubt your doubts. Number three, call out your critic. Often we hear doubts relayed through the voice of our inner critic. You know the one. It's constantly pointing out your faults, questioning your worthiness. It's the chief culprit for the imposter syndrome and urging you to play it safe. While you can't permanently silence it, you can dilute its power by giving it a name. Doing so helps you distinguish who you are from the fear and doubt you feel. Think of a name that best describes the scared part of you that wants to live small and stay safe. You might even want to write a short letter to it, telling it that you're no longer going to let it run the show. Dear Doubting Deborah, it's time. <laughs> Number four, make your mission bigger than your fear. What would you bother to speak up and risk rocking the boat? Why would you bother to speak up and risk rocking the boat or being rejected? Why would you lay your reputation on the line? Why would you take a chance on that dream? Only when you are clear about your big why can you find the courage needed to step through your doubts and risk failing. You need to be able to find clear and compelling answers to the question, for the sake of what am I willing to be brave? Doing so will help crystallize why you must take action despite your doubts, knowing that if you let them win, you will run the bigger risk of one day looking back and wondering, what if I'd tried? Letting self-doubt sit in the driver's seat is a surefire re recipe for regret and resentment. Number five. Build a tribe of believers. You shape your tribe and your tribe shapes you. After all, mastery of life is not a solo endeavor. When you surround yourself with people who bring out your best and embolden your thinking, you can do more, be more, and give yourself more than you ever could otherwise. The people you hang out with will either fuel your self-doubt or fuel your confidence. So if you're ready to make a change and take a chance, make sure you're surrounding yourself with people who will help you to stay in action despite your doubts and avoid those who won't. Number six, train the brave daily. There's no one-step magic bullet for overcoming self-doubt and building self-confidence. We build confidence in increments by having the courage to take action despite our misgivings. One way we do this is by applying the research of BJ Fogg at Stanford University, who found that scaling back bigger behaviors into smaller bite-sized actions can create dramatic shifts that last. Think of courage like a muscle. The more you act with it, the braver you become but you have to be willing to train the brave on a daily basis. And the best way to train the brave is to start right where you are right now with whatever problem or opportunity you are facing and ask yourself, what would I do right now if I were being brave? Chances are your doubts will be screaming at you to do just the opposite. 
Thank them for trying to protect you, then tell them you're not here to live safe. You're here to live the biggest life that you're capable of living. Then put your hand on your heart, imagine your success, take a big long breath, and then just do it. As research has found and experience has taught me, every time you take action, in the presence of your doubts, you dilute their power and amplify your own. Only when you dare to do the very thing you doubt you can do, will you realize how little you ever needed to doubt yourself to begin with. So, as she said it so eloquently, I will just wrap up here with today's affirmation. I have all that I need within me now. Say it with me. I have all that I need within me now. Say it again. I have all that I need within me now. I love you so much. Have a fantastic evening, and I'll see you next time.